You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. These are strange, strange times that we are living in right now. And I'm really excited about this episode because I thought I'd jump on here and do a special episode to kind of make some sense of everything that's going on right now in the world. And right now, a lot of stuff is shut down. It's quarantine. My studio, the building that my recording studio is in, is actually closed. All the businesses that are there is closed. So we're doing this guerrilla style. We're at my home right now. And the audio quality might be a little bit different. We don't know what's going to happen. My kids might run through here, Nerf gun. I don't know what might happen. We're prepared for anything. We're going to keep it all in. We're going to have a good time. But I really wanted to jump on here and to create a special episode for you because I've been receiving a lot of questions. And again, just to try to make some sense of everything because a big driver of fear, we tend to fear the things that we don't understand. And so I think that you're going to walk away very, very empowered and really uh, developing a state of uh, uh of remarkable awareness of how viruses work, about some of the intricacies of viruses and just information that we can utilize moving forward, not just as individuals, but as communities and even the world as a whole. This information today can truly be transformative. So I'm really pumped to dive in. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see I'm rocking full quarantine beard right now, all right? My wife, I'm not gonna say she likes it, but that's okay, you know? Shout out to the other guys out there that have the quarantine beards going. Shout out to the ladies that have quarantine eyebrows. You're just like trying to get out and get those eyebrows together because they're probably uneven. The eyelashes as well. Getting the nails done might not be happening right now, but we still love you. Still beautiful. All right. We're all making adjustments. My kids are obviously out of school. So my son, Brayden, all of a sudden, not only am I an author and a nutritionist, I'm also a second grade teacher. All of a sudden and just working through all that. And I just wanna ask you, like, how are you doing? You know, and those that have kids, if you don't have kids, just being uh, kind of locked down with your little ones or even with yourself, with your pets, we might think that we love people, but we can start to see that they can work our nerves a little bit probably, and that's okay. You know, we're gonna go through a wide range of emotions. This is very different for all of us. You know, but my son Braden had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him to hang out. And we're actually doing work outside of work, outside of his typical schoolwork, which is great. You know, we're actually working on his first book that he's writing. And it's just been a great adventure that we've been doing, uh, working on that every day, having this little uh, writing project and having fun together like that. And also we've had time to go through some of the classic movies. We watched The Goonies, Back to the Future, Game Changer, all right? Back to the Future 2. Now, in that movie, they jumped 30 years in the future to 2015. We knew back in the day, 30 years prior to that, that we would definitely have flying cars by then. Instead, we have toilet paper apocalypse, all right? Very different situation that we're dealing with today. But we're gonna go through all this stuff and, and have a good time and talk about what we're really dealing with. And I think the most important thing to do is to start at the foundation of human health and our interaction with viruses. Now, there's been a lot of talk in medicine and just in health in general, the last few years, looking at the, the final frontier of medicine really being the microbiome. You can't go anywhere and study anything to do with health without really hearing about the impact of the microbiome. Now we know that our microbiome cascade, this bacteria cascade that lives in and on our bodies, 
We have upwards of 40 trillion bacteria cells, all of us do, and they have a huge impact on our ability to absorb calories, making vitamins and minerals in us for us, giving us the ability to digest our food, operating and interacting and forming our immune system, and the list goes on and on and on. It's a really remarkable thing, and it's truly, it is kind of the, the final frontier. Now, that's just one aspect, because much like we have this bacterial cascade with the microbiome, we also have something called the human virome. We all have a unique collection of viruses that live in us and on us at all times throughout our entire lives. Viruses are not just one thing that make us sick, they're also something that make us who we are. And that's something that's widely left out of the conversation right now. And so I want to dive in a little bit on this to help lay the foundation for our interaction with viruses. And I think that some of this is really, really gonna surprise you. Now, recently we, we had the, the Human Genome Project where they were looking at uncovering and disclosing how many genes we have collectively as human beings. And something that is wildly skipped over is the fact that, now listen to this, of the, the entire human genome, the genes that literally make us who we are as humans, approximately 8% of the human genome are made of endogenous viruses. We are at least 8% endogenous retroviruses that make up who we are as humans crazy stuff you don't ever hear anything like that you know i'm part virus you know you might be biracial you're like you know I'm, I'm part black i'm part hispanic and i'm part virus you never say i'm part virus but you are you are now viruses are not just things that make us sick these are ancient little helpers that have supported human evolution in fact we would not be who we are today without viruses now, many scientists today actually believe that it's thanks in large part to viruses and the action of viruses that we have evolved the DNA that we have today. In this particular model, this theory about viruses helping to establish our DNA, cellular organisms adopted the more chemically stable DNA when retroviruses evolved to create DNA from RNA templates. All right, so viruses are able to do some really interesting things with genetic information, with DNA, with RNA that other cells aren't able to do. And in fact, human cells often aren't able to do and to go in different directions in this process. And so not just that, so that's just a small bit. We've already talked about the fact that 8% of the human genome are endogenous retroviruses. We've talked about viruses potentially being a, a large player in the DNA that we now have today. But to take this a step further and what's kind of pertinent for right now is the fact that recent data shows that our cellular Immune systems originate from and are spread by viruses. Data published in the peer-reviewed journal Frontiers in Microbiology, Virology, indicates that our immune systems likely evolved from simple viruses adapting against other viruses to eventually creating the highly complex defense strategies that our bodies have today. The human body and the human immune system is the most dynamic, complex, amazing entity on planet Earth. It is truly, truly remarkable. Today, we're just scratching the surface on how deep this goes. And again, I just wanna highlight the fact that there's this whole other side to the story. It's not just viruses make us sick. I wanted to take some time and to create a well thought out middle ground to understand some of this stuff because there's this whole other side of the equation 
and our interaction with viruses. To again, to bring some light and shed some light to this subject in a kind of confusing and dark time. And oftentimes, again, we fear what we don't understand. And so I wanted to, again, help to shed some light on this subject. So really excited about this. And so the next layer that I think we need to talk about is how bacteria and viruses, again, help to kind of create the human species that we are today. And it's widely accepted that the mitochondria that we have in all of our cells, some cells have you know, dozens, if not hundreds of mitochondria that create the energy that we experience. And so the energy to move my hands, the energy to blink your eyes, the energy to take the sound that you're hearing and to process that into data in your brain, the energy needed to take a breath, to keep your heart beating, so on and so forth. Everything that your body does requires energy. And it's thanks to the mitochondria creating that energy that we're able to exist. And it's widely accepted that our mitochondria actually evolved from bacteria, all right? This interaction with bacteria and eventually human cells helped to create this mitochondria, this energy power plant within our cells that create energy in us for us. That's how powerful that is. Now, viruses, as we talked about, in much the same regards, help to evolve our DNA and help to evolve our immune systems springing from the interaction with viruses. And now let's talk a little bit about viruses versus bacteria. Like sometimes we don't even think that these are two different things, kind of lump them all together, but they are very different. Uh, one of the differences is that b bacteria specifically, they are able to replicate on their own, right? They have little bacteria babies. They have, by the way, with the quarantine going on, there's gonna be a lot of quarantine babies. I don't know if anybody's been thinking about that. You're locked down with your, with your loved one, your lover. Just like around Christmas time, you get a lot of babies showing up in August, late August, like myself, right? It's Christmas gift. Hey, I got a gift for you. Surprise, you're pregnant. Um, but quarantine babies, mark my word, about nine from months from now, we're going to see a baby boom happen. Uh, but anyways, bacteria, much the same way they can make their own babies, they can replicate. These are living organisms versus viruses, which are not exactly living. They're not living, but they're also not dead either. They're very interesting. It's kind of this non-living entity and they actually need host cells. They need your cells or an animal cell to basically inject their genetic information into these cells and then the cells replicate and do the job for them, all right? So it's kind of really a strange phenomenon. This is where we get into these ideas about like, vampires or zombie apocalypse or some virus spreading through something injecting its venom into another person that viruses kind of do that right they they're non-living non-living and they inject their information into a host cell and then that cell then replicates it becomes that virus it stops making genetic material for the, the host cell. So the human cell stops printing out material, the genetic information for itself, and instead starts printing out genetic information from that virus. Now, viruses do have that. They have information, but they're considered to be non-living. And this is another little interesting phenomenon going on. If you go to Netflix or you go to you know the, the top movies in the country, during this time period when everybody's locked down, there's this virus spreading and people are just, the top movies, we're like pandemic outbreak 2012 
end of the world. We're like self-perpetuating the fear, you know, watching like it's kind of like, you know, a scary movie. Right. It's just like to feel something like to even be more engulfed in the fear. And those movies just shoot right to the top, you know, and again, but not understanding the foundation information for how this actually works. But I'm sure it's it's good popcorn time, but I don't want you to freak yourself out. All right. Because stuff works very differently than what you might see in a movie or in the media. So with that said, there's another big difference. So viruses need host cells to replicate bacteria. They can replicate on their own. That's one huge difference. Another difference is the size of viruses. Viruses are tiny. Bacteria are obviously tiny, but viruses are teeny tiny. Often cases we could fit a hundred or even hundreds of viruses inside of a bacteria. And there are viruses that specifically infect bacteria cells, not just host cells like you know human cells, which you would consider, consider your human cells. And so that's another big, uh, and this is why viruses can be a little bit tricky. You know, these little fellas are tiny, but they're also very powerful in some of the jobs they do. Again, these kind of help to make us who we are today. Now, another one of the big takeaways that I want you to have for today is how we address and target in medicine when we're dealing with a viral infection or bacterial infection. And it largely is in regards to how they interact with our cells, right? So I remember growing up, even if we had a viral infection, oftentimes physician would give antibiotics, which is crazy to hear that today, but it's just one of those things where we weren't even considering the impact they would have. There's also, of course, a placebo effect, which we're gonna talk about a little bit later, but antibiotics don't kill viruses. Viruses are doing a different type of activity. And it largely has to do with the way that viruses interact with your human cells. Viruses are able to basically merge themselves with human cells and kind of hijack the cell's internal memory. And it's a far different activity than a colony of bacteria that can create overgrowth and dysbiosis and things like that. Viruses are, are operating on a whole different modality. We're gonna talk about how to address them and our immune system and how it interacts with viruses as well because it's fascinating and I think it's really gonna blow your mind. But I think this is a good spot to talk about the virus that's on everybody's mind today, that's on the tip of our tongues, all right? COVID-19, COVID-19. First of all, what does that mean? What does COVID-19 even mean? It's just a little bit of a blended acronym. The CO, CO, that's for Corona, right? Coronavirus. The VI is virus. And then the D is disease. And then we got the 19 at the end of the year, 2019, right? It's like taking over for the 99 and 2000s, right? COVID-19 for the uh, <laughs> 2019s and the 2020s. And so that's what it is. That's where we get the COVID-19 from. Now, where did this actually come from? That's on a lot of people's minds. And I have been waiting patiently, staying back, just to keep my eye on the research to give a well thought out answer to this question, where did it come from? Because there were some theories out there that this could be a biological weapon right? That is definitely concerned today. It's definitely possible to create things in the lab. Another concern, but that doesn't seem to hold any weight right now. Another concern is that this was an escaped virus from a laboratory, right? Which has happened before, you know, humans tinkering with things and things getting out and exposing the public. But what we're really looking at here is a mutation. Looking at a mutation 
a different quote strain of a coronavirus. Coronaviruses have been around a long time. If you even look at some of your, if you got especially like industrial strength cleaning products, you'll even see it that it kills herpes virus, it kills coronavirus. Like how did we even know about coronavirus five years ago when this thing was made? It's because it's been around a long time and it's highly likely that you've been infected by a coronavirus at one point. And the crazy thing is that many times we don't even know it. You know, this has become a, a popular word in our lexicon today. But again, it's been around a long time where we see uh, symptoms with coronaviruses can induce strong symptoms, while others can cause only mild to moderate infections like the common cold. And what I want to point back to again and just kind of make some sense of this, because words are powerful. And this has become a, a term that we've given a lot of power to in our culture. And the coronavirus family make up a very large family of viruses that infect birds and mammals including humans. And this is where we think that this is one of the stronger theories that the virus did a species jump. It jumped species. It started off with bat, right? Just kind of like Peter Parker getting bit by the radioactive spider. Somebody's getting bit or biting a nasty radioactive bat, in a sense, and kind of picking this virus up. And then it got transferred to another species and then to, to humans. And so that's one of the things where uh, a virus can mutate. It can, because everything on this planet is trying to survive. It adapts and survives. Obviously, we're talking about mutations. This is how viruses came to be a part of the human genome, is the fact that they've been able to evolve just as we have. And continuously, we've had the ability to evolve and move beyond them. We're still here. We're the most resilient species on the planet. Now, where does the name Corona actually come from? Because this is a little, right, they call it exotic. It's an exotic name. But the coronavirus, it actually derives its names because of the spiky projections that are on the outer surface of the virus. And they kind of resemble a crown, right? Crown, which crown in Latin is corona. I don't know why we're still doing the Latin thing. Nobody speaks Latin now, okay? Maybe at the Vatican a little bit, but really, we could just call it crown. I think it would have been even like less offensive or less scary if it was called like the crown virus, the crown royal virus. Like, let, let me get some of that, you know. But today, again, it's really driven by a fear and the way that we connect words together creates even more fear, especially if it's something we don't understand. Now, there was actually some research done and this was done by the World Health Organization and the CDC. Now, their aim, based on their experience, because initially, when this coronavirus hit, it was referred to as the Wuhan virus because in Wuhan, China is where it was first identified. But quickly the name was changed because again, the World Health Organization, the CDC and other entities have been working to stop naming viruses after specific places and animals because of the inherent stigma that it creates in the mind of a human, right? So calling a virus the name of a, an animal or a place is very irresponsible because humans, we naturally connect problems to those things. It's called neuroassociation. And so Corona beer, for example, they've taken a huge hit. Like, why would they not? Automatically you see Corona, you think, man, it's associated with illness and death. Wow, it's incredibly powerful. So we need to be careful in our associations with things as well. And even, you know, Coronavirus has got a lot of nicknames out there now. Uh, Rona, some people call 
it, you know, it's Rona. Rona's visiting. Maybe we'll call it My Sharona? Maybe? My, my, my Sharona? Or maybe t Roni. How about Tender Roni? Shout out to Bobby Brown. All right, we'll call it Tender Roni. I might implement that here and there in this talk. So if I say Tender Roni, you know I'm referring to the coronavirus or COVID-19. All right, so now this is probably the most important part for you to assimilate in this episode and in this moment right now. We're going to talk about how your body actually eliminates this virus because that's widely looked over in the media. We have been the loss of life, period, of human life is tragic. Absolutely. But we get hyper-focused on this part and spread an immense amount of fear and as you're gonna find out today, this can lead to even more illness. And we're not talking about the millions upon millions upon millions of people who've been exposed to the virus that are thriving, that are fine because their immune system took care of it. You have to know how this works so that we can start to eliminate and reduce some of the fear because your body, like I said, the human immune system is one of the most dynamic and complex, powerful entities in the known universe. And this starts with when your body is infected by a new virus, the coronavirus is, is taking hold of your cells. Again, it inserts its genetic information. It attaches to the cell and inserts its genetic information into the cell. And one of the first things that happens is that you get these cytotoxic T cells. Your body's production of these cytotoxic T cells, they're basically circulating your system. They're like little police cars driving around. And they notice if a virus like the coronavirus has been basically, their information is now showing up on the receptor sites for that cell. It's kind of like a little alarm getting tripped. And then these cytotoxic T cells roll by with the police force and they release these cytotoxic factors. They just rain down fire on the coronavirus cells and take them out. Now viruses, again, they're very tricky. They can be, they're adaptable. So we don't have just one weapon. So in addition to the cytotoxic T cells, we also have natural killer cells, right? These NK cells. Now, sometimes viruses try to hide and they're able to reduce that exposure that would be put out there by being on the receptor site of the cell. They're able to reduce that by hiding out in the cell, but natural killer cells are floating around. And then when they notice that this cell doesn't have enough receptor sites showing, there's something wrong with this cell. They ante up. They bring in toxic compounds as well, these toxic substances to destroy these infected cells. They're like FBI agents sniffing out clues. They're like, well, this isn't right. What's going on here? I see you're trying to hide and they put a case together. They come take the cell out. All right. So we got our natural killer cells as well. And in addition to that, we also have our interferons. And interferons are a group of signaling proteins made and released by host cells, by your cells, in response to the presence of viruses. Now they're named interferons because of their ability to interfere with viral replication. Viruses are trying to replicate. So the interferons interfere with that replication process to stop them in their tracks. And they also are able to alert and inform and protect nearby cells from being infected by the virus, all right? So interferons are like little informants basically, all right? Little informed, they're necessary, 
Okay, they might not be, you know, good, bad guy, whatever. We're not going to label, but they're informants. All right, they're letting everybody know, hey, you got a problem over here. You didn't hear it from me. All right, so that's interference. And something else really remarkable that our immune system has at its disposal is that we produce antibodies. All right, we produce antibodies. Antibodies are able to actually stick to receptor sites on virally infected cells, thereby making them unable to attach to other cells. They can't spread, they can't go on because these antibodies attach to the receptor sites. Now something else, so some antibodies do that, something else really remarkable that antibodies are able to do, they're able to actually tag a virus, leave a tag on, it's basically like back in the day, you know, at school and you, you attach a, a kick me sign to somebody's back, right? It's like kick me, right? Not saying, that's saying to do that, that's not nice, but it's like, a, it's like attaching a tag to a virus for the macrophages to then come in and kick them right in the assets, all right? The macrophages come in, they don't actually kick the virus cell. They come in, macrophages actually eat the virus cell like little Pac-Men, but it's thanks to the antibodies tagging them that these are infected cells. So very highly intelligent immune system. And this is the thing that's not talked about with the you know tens of millions, uh, if not hundreds of millions of people exposed to the virus and their immune systems are able to simply do their job and take the virus out and we're okay. Now, this is what's really, really cool in this, is that we also have B cells. These are other immune cells, and these B cells are responsible for something incredible known as humoral immunity, right? This is your ability, your body's ability, your immune system's ability to actually, quote, remember an infection that it's been exposed to. So not only does it take this virus out, it learns how to, at any moment, if a virus even remotely close, or if the same virus, if you come in contact with it again, you can't be infected because your immune system is right there on top of it. It learns. Your immune system learns. This is why the statement, like widely accepted in our in our culture, that like chickenpox, you can only get it once, right? Your immune system learns that illness. It kills it, kills it off, and it retains that memory so that it's very effective. So this is why parents, like you know, back in the day, the parent would like, I remember my brother and sister got the chicken pox. Your boy got it, all right, I got the chicken pox, but my mom didn't get it. She didn't get it, she already, she had it before. You know, so she wasn't afraid to put the, you know, what is it, the calamine lotion, is that what it's called? Some, this pink lotion, looked like Pepto-Bismol, would put on my body to help with the itching. Not a, not a stellar moment in my life, but you know, it's one of those, it's kinda what, like used to be like a rite of passage. And some folks, and this is a true story, would have what they would call chicken pox get-togethers or chicken pox parties. And just to get it over with, bring their kids over to other kids, you know, in the neighborhood or friends and family that have it, so they can get it, get it over with. Strange, humans are so weird. But just look at some of the weird stuff that we do, that we're doing today. And we're gonna look back on these things and see some of these things just aren't very normal. Now with this understanding and with this broader education about how our amazing immune system actually works, the question arises, why then has this situation, this coronavirus spread so rapidly, uh, created so much media attention and so much fear? Why are we quarantined? Why are we uh, distancing ourselves from other people? What's going on? What makes this different? Well, there are a couple of things. 
Um, number one, there isn't an innate immunity to this particular strain of virus. So again, like we develop an immunity to stuff that even resembles certain viruses. There isn't, as of now, an innate immunity to the virus. So basically anybody can get infected with the virus. Now, as we've already disclosed, your amazing immune system for somewhere around 98 to 99% of folks is going to readily be able to eliminate the virus and you're okay. The big problem that we're facing with this particular virus is the potential and a justifiable concern, by the way, the potential overwhelm of our hospitals and of our medical system. That's where we can run into big problems, right? Hospital beds getting filled up, uh, uh, medical staff being overburdened and overrun, and then their immune system crashes, they contract the virus and they're not able to fight. And then we don't have pe people to take care of anybody, whatever medical condition they might have. You know, folks that are dealing with, um, you know, maybe uh, an emergency situation of some kind of a wound, but now the medical professionals are getting hit. So I hope that makes sense. This is one of the kind of justifiable reasons is the burden that it can have on our medical system. But our attention has not been turned towards that. Our attention has been turned towards ourselves, oftentimes, thanks in large part to, obviously, the media is gonna sensationalize this because their job is to grab eyeballs and to grab attention. It always has been in our modern society, and this is how it's in the foreseeable future, future going to continue to be. They wanna grab your attention, and they wanna be the ones to create as much emotional connection to their stuff, to their report, to their story, so that you're not looking everywhere else. They wanna be, just like any other business, your go-to source. So they're gonna to wanna to make it as emotionally driven as possible. Again, we have some justifiable reasons for this, but the extreme lean on fear and not looking at the bigger picture, not even giving people the opportunity to understand how this stuff actually works is a huge disservice to the public. And this is something that we can all do something about. We can get the education and we can communicate and help to ease the minds of people who are scared. They're in fear right now. And so I wanna dive a little bit deeper into this and talk more about what's going on because it's not just me saying this as far as like our immune system being able to do its job to defend our bodies. We know that there is a big catch 22. It's the overburden of our medical system and people really are passing away. And there's this huge caveat that often gets overlooked. So a study conducted recently, recently published by Italy's National Health Institute, just a few days ago, as of this recording, revealed that more than 99%, more than 99% of Italy's coronavirus fatalities were folks who were suffering from previous medical conditions. In the study, they found that 25% of the individuals who passed away were dealing with one chronic illness like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, et cetera, et cetera. About 26% of them were dealing with two chronic diseases and almost 50%, 49% of them were dealing with three chronic diseases of the total number of folks who passed away from this virus. The loss of human life is tragic, always. This should not happen. 
But what we're not looking at is we need to help our community to be healthier so that when these things show up, we're not victims. And this is what we're not talking about in this conversation. We should not have a society that has these rampant and it just continues to go up. You would think with our knowledge today and our access to technology that we would see declines in chronic illnesses. They've only continued to rise. And there's a problem with this. If we were publicizing the demand, the need for us to step up as a society and help other people, help our community, help our senior citizens, to live a healthier lifestyle, like we've so quickly integrated and separating from each other, we could transform our entire reality. But this is not where our energy and attention has been driven because of fear. To do this out of love, to do this proactively, to prevent issues like this by helping folks to have a system that is more readily able to defend itself that takes an act of love. When there's not a problem going on, it takes an act of love. But we tend to just push these things off until something tragic happens. The number one killer in the world today is heart disease. And we got cancer, we've got diabetes, and we've talked about this, what this show is all about. We look at the science behind these conditions and we give people the power to understand how they actually work and what we can do to help our bodies to defend itself, to do the job that it already knows how to do. We all have cancer cells every day. We all are interacting with viruses and bacteria every single day. But a healthy immune system just takes care of those things. That's what it has evolved to do. And so, soapbox retracted. I want to get back to uh, what we can actually do here because I think that this is a huge opportunity. This is a huge call to action, a huge time of change for us to not come out of this and turn a blind eye to the biggest underlying problem, which is we live in a world today where chronic illness is normal. Things that our ancestors didn't even deal with are now normal. We see right now two thirds of certain portions of the population being either diabetic or pre-diabetic. That's a problem. We know now that these are largely, I'm talking about type two diabetes, adult onset diabetes that is no longer called adult onset diabetes because kids get it now because of our lifestyle. And again, if you want to dive more into diabetes and the science on that, we did an entire masterclass episode on that. We'll put in the show notes for you. But these are the things that we need to really address. We need to come out of this healthier as a community. And now I'm really saying all of this to say and to make this one huge point, which is because of what's being impressed upon us by the media and the inherent fear any of us, it doesn't matter what kind of work you've done on yourself, you're going to experience some of that. You're going to get hit by the fear and the worry. And that perpetuates itself into behavior. And we start jumping back right into our hind brain. We get away from the executive functions of reasoning and we get into this place where it's every man for themselves. And most of us, if we're being honest, we're not in fear because we might contract the coronavirus and then give it to somebody who's truly susceptible like folks who are dealing with chronic illnesses, elderly populations. Most of us are not scared of that. We're scared for ourselves. We're scared because we have fear that this thing will hurt us. And the truth is, 
For the vast majority of people, it's simply not true. We're not concerned about the right thing because of what we've been infected with. This virus has gone viral. This virus, even the term meme, right? There's memes everywhere. You can't go anywhere without seeing it if you're gonna jump on social media. Memes are mind viruses and our brains have been hijacked with fear. And here's what's really going on. Nobel Prize winning researcher and biophysicist Michael Levitt, who predicted the number of reported cases of coronavirus to a startling degree, said that, quote, what we need to do is to control the panic. We are going to be fine. On February 1st, he predicted the total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases in China would end up being around 80,000 with about 3,250 folks passing away from the virus. This forecast, as we're recording this episode, this forecast turned out to be remarkably accurate. As of this recording, towards the end of March, mid end of March, China had counted a total of 80, he predicted 80,000, they're at basically 80,300 cases and 3,245 folks passing away. In a nation of nearly 1.4 billion people and tens of millions at least being exposed to the virus and their body just killed the virus off and they were okay. So he predicted this, you know, the curve that, that we would see. And this man, this isn't just like, oh, this is just a guy. It's just a guy on social media saying his uh, conspiracy theory. It's no, he won a little thing called a Nobel Prize. So he might, he might know a little. And he actually blames the media for causing unnecessary panic by focusing on relentless increases in the cumulative number of cases and spotlighting celebrities contracting the virus. By contrast, he brought this up, you know, with the flu infecting and, and causing sickness for over 36 million Americans already since September and taking the lives of uh, at least 22,000 people thus far. Now, again, this isn't a battle of like what's worse, the flu or a coronavirus. Both of these are viruses. The point is, this has been going on for a long time. We just haven't talked about it. We haven't been perpetually in fear of these viruses infecting us because the message has not been put out there. Tens of thousands of people in this country die every year because of getting the flu. Largely, the vast majority of those cases are because folks have pre-existing medical conditions that many of them are largely preventable. And so again, what we need to do as a society is to come together and to create an action plan to make sure that our bodies are healthier and more resilient. And again, put us in the prime position for our, our immune system, our innate immune system to do the job that it's designed to do. Because this is not the last time. Matter of fact, every couple of years, we get a big one coming. This one's different. We have to learn the lesson and adapt. We can't just do this. We can't shut down society whenever a new virus comes along. Because that in and of itself, creates a huge, huge economic health crisis that is definitely going to be around the corner. This Nobel Prize winning researcher goes on to say that he fears public health measures that have shut down large swaths of the economy could raise their own health catastrophe as lost jobs lead to poverty and hopelessness. And time and time again, we see this. Researchers see that rates of depression 
anxiety, and suicide rates go up when the economy spirals downwards. And research from the Mental Health Foundation disclosed that, quote, one of the things that leads to panic attacks is excessive worrying for unsubstantiated reasons, end quote. This is justifiable, what's happening right now in many aspects. In many aspects, it's not. We have to manage this a lot better moving forward into the future because there's a lot of overlooked results that are taking place. Many people are able to, you know, just kind of hunker down and, you know, hang out with family, work from home, exercise from home. You see that all. And I love this. We need this. Everybody, you know, so many people sharing health strategies, exercise to do at home and all these wonderful things. But some of the overlooked things are there are many families that are now without food, who are now without money. Number one, because of our fear, we go and start hoarding everything and those that really need it aren't able to get access. And also simply because everything shut down and some people, many people, millions of people who are working for hourly wages, their businesses or also small businesses who are paying these folks or even trying to run themselves, they're not able to continue paying their employees salaries or their employees hourly wage simply because they can't come to work. Everything shuts down and we get into a place of true, true danger. We're talking about people losing their homes. We're talking about people losing their ability to have meals because I don't think a lot of us realize that there are countless kids in this country who depend on school breakfast and lunch just to be able to eat a hot meal each day. School shut down. Now, what happens when that child is now at home with a parent or parents who are not able to go to work because they got to stay home with their kid? To, to pay this hourly wage, and they're already at a place that they're struggling to get by. It can become catastrophic. And so there's a bigger thing in place. But again, we're doing this with the right heart, which is to protect ourselves and to protect people we care about, but we're not addressing the real underlying issues so that when this happens, again, we're in a better position to not shut our society down, which is gonna have, again, long-term ramifications. Because again, as we see in the data very clearly, as the economy begins to shift downward, we see an increase in rates of things like depression. Now, depression is actually the leading cause of disability in the United States today, according to the Journal of the American Medical Association. We're likely gonna see this pendulum swing in a way that we see these rates go up as folks are trying to adjust and recover and they're just stressed and they're in fear and they're worried and they're losing their ability to pay their rent, to keep their utilities on, I grew up in a home where I might come home and we don't have electricity. We might be sitting around, you know, doing our homework and the lights go out. Or we got to warm up water in order to take a bath on the stove. Like we got the, we got the electric stove, at least we can warm the water up because the gas is turned off. I've lived that life. And so many people are going to become victims of this because of how we're responding to this thing. And we're not even looking at how do we fix it at its core so that when it happens again, but this is a great opportunity for us to support each other. If there's anybody that you know that you can support, that you can help out with, that you can lend a helping hand when you know they're in a tight spot, please do it. I've been doing that for my family members uh, to the best of my ability and still being able to take care of my, my kids and my team. It's tough. You know, it's a very abnormal kind of weird situation. But as this Nobel Prize winning smart guy said, we will get through this. Now, another huge point that we need to take a look at that is, again, largely overlooked in situations like this, but it kind of come to the forefront. And I've had people asking me questions about this. And 
This just tells me that they're thinking bigger. You know, they've taken a meta perspective of this thing. We need to be able to zoom in and look at the small minute, but to also zoom out and look at the bigger picture and how things are operating. And they were asking me about, have you ever heard this term or this saying, worried sick? I was worried sick. Worried sick is an actual phenomenon, thanks in part to the nocebo effect. All right. Many people are very much aware of the placebo effect. In clinical trials, we have to account for it. In every clinical trial that's done, we have to account for the placebo taking action. That's why we do double blind placebo controlled studies because of the fact that on average, placebos, fake drugs, fake treatments, fake surgeries are about 33% effective on average overall in clinical trials. Just the belief that a drug or a treatment or a surgery is doing something to the body, people believing that that's the case will then cause the body to respond as if they're actually taking the medication. Their blood pressure can drop even though they're not taking an actual blood pressure reducing medication. Their cancer tumor can start to dissolve because they believe they're taking chemotherapy medication, but it's not actually the case. And by the way, if you wanna see a great book on this, Mind Over Medicine by Lisa Rankin, Dr. Lisa Rankin. She was on the show a while back, all right? great compilation of some of this research. It's just phenomenal. But with the placebo effect, we have the kind of, I don't want to say it's the, the dark side, but I guess it is, where we get a negative injunction that something bad is going to happen when you take a certain thing or a certain thing happens. You know, you're infected by a certain uh, pathogen or an allergen, and then your body then proceeds, even if it's not true, to have the symptoms and negative response just because of the belief. Now, a recent study revealed that the nocebo effect is possibly more powerful than the flu virus in that it compromises your immune system before you've even had a chance to catch the actual virus. Researchers at Harvard University said, quote, nocebo is at least as important as the placebo effect and may be even more widespread, disclosing in this study that Study after study of the nocebo effect in people's minds causing negative immune responses increase symptoms of allergies, asthma, pain, and much more. Now listen to this. Fabrizio Benedetti, a neurophysiologist at the University of Turin Medical School in Italy, monitored the actual effects on the body caused by a negative belief about getting sick or having negative side effects. He discovered that the negative belief activated the body's hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and increased the release of related stress hormones. And research conducted by scientists at the University of Kentucky demonstrated that these stress hormones and stress exposure can increase the likelihood of developing the disease, developing the illness, as well as exacerbating pre-existing conditions. Our belief our fear about the thing, about contracting an illness, literally suppresses our immune system and makes us more susceptible to getting the illness. Please get this. This is not just, oh, it sounds nice. This, it sounds like, no, this is facts. And you know this, we all know this inherently. Fear, doubt, worry. When we're feeling those feelings, we're creating chemistry in our body. Every thought you have has correlating chemistry that's released in your system. And that chemistry, now here's the thing, in acute instances, stress actually heightens and improves the immune system. But long-term, constant, chronic stress, fear, 
has suppressive effects on the immune system that can be absolutely catastrophic. So this is why I want to, again, rein things in, deliver today a more comprehensive review of the data and give us some real world solutions on what we can do moving into the future. And the truth is we all affect each other. Just like the bacteria and viruses and human cells that make up this universe inside of our bodies, each and every one of us are like cells in this body we call the earth. It's a living entity as well and we're like cells in it and we do in fact impact each other. To the degree, if you take a look at research coming out of Princeton University, and they've been studying this for decades now, and they put together what's known as the global consciousness uh, experiment. And this was a huge experiment that's been tracking, again, going on for decades. And then what they were utilizing, and this was, again, this was published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration back in 2002. And this particular study, their data reported that they were using a network of computers around the world that are set to churn out random strings of numbers. It's just random number ge uh, generation. And apparently whenever there's a situation of heightened emotion on the planet, they would see these very strange spikes take place in this random number generation to the degree that it could not be from simple uh, mathematical coincidence. And specifically, they reported that the traumatic terrorist attack that took place on 9-11 caused such a powerful outpouring of emotion across the planet that there were measurable effects upon the network computers that was extremely unlikely to have happened by simple chance. We affected, our human emotion affected these network computers. And the data is just really, really powerful, really interesting. But these are computers. These are non-living entities. Just think about how we affect each other. We know that we all have mirror neurons that replicate behavior of those around us. We know that we have a, a tube torus and an electromagnetic field that extends from our bodies and literally have an energy field that if we're in proximity to another person, our energy fields, which sounds kind of, is that some hippie stuff, Sean? It's not hippie stuff. We truly do have these energy fields, these electromagnetic fields that extend from our bodies that we're in, when we're in proximity with the other people, these interact, right? And this extends out to the world around us. Maybe in the smallest, tiniest, teeny, tiniest, minute way, we are extremely powerful. We might think that we are small, we're a victim, we're not important. In reality, you are the most important person in the universe. And at the same time, yes, the, the way you feel might not matter much. It's, it's a combination of all of these things, right? It's like the butterfly effect. It's like a drop in the ocean. All these drops in the ocean create the ocean. You know, all of our energy together creates the overall consciousness that we have here on the planet. This is some really interesting, powerful stuff. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just want you to realize that the energy that is on the earth right now that you're feeling, it's not just you. We are inundated with it. It's a huge umbrella that's hovering over us. This fear, worry, greed, doubt. And I hope that today, by getting educated about this, it helps to create a little bit of solace for you moving forward that you can then share with the people you care about. Now, we might be looking towards a vaccine coming to save the day for this virus, but what about the next virus and the next virus? And the stark reality is that we're at least, at least a year, year and a half, two years from a vaccine that's able to defend 
the human body from the coronavirus. And I want you to understand something very, very powerful. There are literally hundreds of approved drugs every single year, including vaccines that are involved in adverse health events. And many are even pulled off the market due to new discoveries of their harmful, even deadly impacts on human health. A recent study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that about one third of the drugs the FDA approved between 2001 and 2010 were involved in some kind of a safety crisis, a safety event after reaching the market. Now, here's the important part I want to share with you. The study specifically noted that drugs that went through a, an accelerated approval process, which is what we're looking for right now, had a higher number of adverse events. If we're gonna get it right, it's gonna take time. In the words of Sweet Brown, ain't nobody got time for that, the great poet Sweet Brown. So what do we do? This is what I want you to realize is that vaccines work on the same principles along with what your immune system does. You get exposed to a virus in the vaccine, a possibly dead virus, a weakened virus, a different strain of the virus, and then your immune system builds up an immunity to it. But here's the key. The vaccine doesn't make you immune. Your immune system makes you immune. Your immune system does the job. It's not the vaccine. It's your immune system getting trained. And so this is what we're in the midst of now. And we have bodies that are highly capable of doing this for the vast majority of human beings on the planet right now, but we need to do better. We need to help those that are in susceptible conditions. If we're on that borderline, you know, pre-diabetes, whatever, this is a call to action for us to really get our health in order. So when this next thing comes, we're ready. All right, now let's dive in. Let's talk about some, what are some of the things we could do? What are some actionable, tangible, real world things that we can do to help to fortify our immune system uh, specifically? And we're gonna talk about some specifics in regards to viral infections. And so what I wanna do is to go through at least maybe four things that are practical, that are clinically proven to be effective. And the first thing, I wanna go right for the low hanging fruit because when we're self-quarantined, when we're uh, advised or even in fear about staying inside, we can handicap ourselves with this thing that your genes expect you to do, your immune system requires you to do in order to be healthy, in order to protect yourself against viral infections. And the first one is that we need to move our bodies. We have to absolutely get some exercise. A study conducted at Appalachian State University found that simply walking caused short-term boosts in immune parameters, most notably our natural killer cells. And we start at the top of the show talking about how important natural killer cells are in the elimination of viruses. Simply going for a walk. Let's go outside, let's go for a walk. If you got a treadmill at the crib, go ahead and jump on there. Find a way to do some um, cardiovascular type activity because that's really important for moving your lymphatic system, which your lymphatic system is a big hub for your immune system. And it's especially important for elimination of toxins, of um, residues from you know viral infections, bacteria, all this stuff is kind of passing through this hub known as your lymphatic system. Your lymphatic system is like a extracellular waste management system, and it literally does not move unless you move. You have to move for your lymphatic system to work. Am I saying not to binge on a couple of seasons or something on Netflix? Absolutely not. Knock yourself out, all right? Uh, is it Tiger King? I saw Tiger King was number one in the country today. Super weird, but it'll get you, all right? Dive in, do your uh, binge watching, but make sure that you get some movement in. Your body, your immune system requires it in order to defend yourself from any nefarious thing you might come in contact with. We need this more than ever. 
All right, so make sure that you're getting some adequate exercise in. All right, now let's go to number two on these very specific clinically proven modalities to help to defend ourselves from viral infections, from bacterial infections, from any kind of pathogens that we come in contact with. This is gonna sound absolutely crazy, but you gotta sleep. All right, you gotta get that nighty night, you gotta get that beauty sleep in. And research published by the Mayo Clinic shows that people who don't get adequate sleep or high quality sleep, because that's what we talk about, even with my book, Sleep Smarter, it's not about sleeping more, it's about sleeping better, getting high quality sleep, going through all of your stages of sleep efficiently and effectively. But what they discovered was folks who are not getting adequate sleep or not getting high quality sleep were far more likely to get sick after being exposed to a virus. Huh. What do you know? You have to sleep. You have to get adequate sleep. You have to get high quality sleep. This is not a time to be, okay, we're going to binge watch, but then we binge watch, binge watch, binge, and we're not sleeping, okay? Just because your schedule and your routine might be a little bit in flux, make sure that you get yourself your sleep so that you can give your immune system what it really needs to be able to do its job. And specifically, have you ever noticed, even if you do get a viral infection or a bacterial infection, any kind of sickness, have you ever noticed that suddenly you sleep a lot more? Your body makes you shut it down, goes to sleep mode because it can really do its hyper job at defending yourself from the infection and to bring you back better faster. And this is because during sleep, your immune system actually releases certain proteins called cytokines. And this is a big part of your defense system as well. And cytokines, by the way, actually promote sleep, but you need sleep in order to heighten the activity of these cytokines because certain cytokines need to increase when you are dealing with an infection or when you're under stress. Sleep deprivation can decrease production of these protective cytokines. There's a like relationship, there's a, a direct correlation with sleep and the effectiveness and production of these cytokines that help to protect you and help to fortify your immune system and defend you from infections. And also the production and activity of infection fighting cells and antibodies are significantly reduced during times when you don't get enough sleep. All of that, your immune system is suppressed when you're sleep deprived, all right? So if we're looking for some kind of a medicine to take right now, get your sleep, all right? Your vitamin Z, I don't know if I made that up, I might've said it before, but you heard it here first. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three, we need to have clinically proven, clinically proven immune supportive solutions with our nutrition. Now, I specifically looked into the data and I looked at things that have significant antiviral effects in the data. And one of them really actually surprised me. A meta-analysis published in Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine found that propolis has very significant antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, and even anti-tumor properties. It's well noted to be an immunomodulator that increases the body's resistance to a viral infection. And propolis-treated patients showed a reduction in incidence and a reduction in severity of lung and breathing-related inflammatory symptoms. A big part of the corona scare is involved and again, justifiably so, with the lungs and with breathing. This has clinical evidence to its efficacy for that. And so this is, a, if you don't know what propolis is, this is a, a product. Bees don't just make honey. They also make propolis. Propolis has been around and used in medicine for thousands of years. But listen to this. This is even more fascinating. 
Another study that was published in the peer-reviewed journal Antiviral Chemistry and Chemotherapy revealed that propolis has significant antiviral effects, specifically in reducing viral lung infections. What? Yeah. Incredible. But why? I'm always asking why. Why? Why is it so effective for these things? A big reason is that Propolis has over 300 active compounds, the majority of these compounds being in the form of antioxidants, specifically polyphenols that are also well-documented to reduce inflammation and fight disease. Even more specifically than that, polyphenols have been proven to inhibit the activity of coronavirus, according to recent data published in the peer-reviewed journal Archives of Virology. I bet the interwebs didn't tell you that one, okay? Specifically, coronavirus. Now, again, this is a different strain, mutated. There are real-world solutions and the evidence. We have to get ourselves healthy, real food, first of all, real food. But adding in things like this at a time like this can be really remarkable. And we actually use propolis, have been using it, you know, pretty much, I don't know, since the kind of winter months have hit. And it's something I give to my kids as well. I use this incredible propolis throat spray and it's easy to use. It tastes really good actually. And literally even every day right now, like I make sure my son gets his propolis spray and I get mine from Beekeepers Naturals. They have an incredible propolis throat spray, but this is why I get it from there is that they do third party testing and they look at a wide range of toxins that are often in bee products that you just don't hear about. And so they're making sure you're not getting your propolis along with things you might find in other honey products, propolis products, like arsenic, lead, nefarious bacteria, salmonella, yeast, molds, things like that. You don't want that kind of stuff in your medicine cabinet, all right? So get it from the source that actually does this the right way, and that is Beekeepers Naturals. And the website is where you can pick it up. It's beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model, and you actually get 15% off everything that they carry, the propolis throat spray, you get 15% off their incredible superfood honey. Uh, they've got an incredible uh, nootropic product that has royal jelly. So many great things for the immune system. Uh, but again, the, specifically for this, propolis throat spray is really on point. So that's beekeepersnaturals.com. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model. 15% off everything they carry over there. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. Something that I personally am doing. I'm doing this every day. I'm having this propolis throat spray. So let's move on and look at what else we have as far as the nutrition is concerned. Uh, another thing is, and this is going to have a nutrition component to it, but I think you need to know about this. Researchers at Georgetown University Medical Center found that blue light from the sun's rays are capable of boosting the activity of infection-fighting T cells. We need sunlight, baby. Baby, baby. Now, listen. Sunlight is also critical in producing vitamin D. It's known as the sunshine vitamin. Have you ever noticed that it's during this time of year when most of us are in winter that these viruses seem to show their face, that our immune systems are a little bit lower and we're more susceptible? There's a direct one-to-one -one correlation here. If you look at research that's published in the Journal of Investigative Medicine found that vitamin D can modulate the innate and adaptive immune responses. A deficiency in vitamin D is associated with increased autoimmunity as well as increased susceptibility to viral infections or infections really overall of any type. So we need vitamin D right now, all right? Sunlight is important. We wanna get outdoors if at all possible, but this would be something we would consider supplementing with this time of year as well. But we wanna get vitamin D3, preferably 
from a high quality source, but there's many different ones on the market. D3 might be a good idea right now. And also I wanna reiterate this. The basis of the nutrition comes from real food. This is the main thing that's gonna to help to, your immune cells are made of the food that you eat. Do you want your immune cells to be made out of high quality, real food ingredients or processed garbage, right? When I went to the grocery store, which was not, this was not in my plans, all right? But I was hearing about, you know, they're gonna shut stuff down, the businesses. And I know that obviously the store shelves are just gonna get raided. So I was like, hey, let's go and get some stuff because we're gonna need breakfast tomorrow. So I took my youngest son, Braden, my oldest son, Jordan, and his friend, Jordan's friend, Armand, we went to our local grocery store here. And it was like the wild west. All right, we're in Cali, but wow. Okay, it was crazy. And if you go to the, obviously, frozen food section, processed foods, gone. Ramen noodles, gone. SpaghettiOs, gone. Guess what wasn't gone, kale. The produce was largely, there's a lot of produce still there. And I'm just wondering, like, I'm in LA. This is probably the kale capital of the universe here in LA. But the kale was all there. We reverted to, again, that primitive brain. Like, I need to get stuff that could be there for, you know, two months. So I need to grab these ramen noodles. I'll holler at the kale at another time. So, but that's what we've been eating. We've been eating plenty of greens, uh, plenty of fresh produce, and just doing our best with it. You know, I was freezing a lot of stuff as well. You know, they didn't have any frozen, like, berries and things like that. So we just bought them fresh and froze them because a lot of people weren't picking those up. Um, so, but real food is the basis here, all right? Man, I walked by the, the toilet paper aisle. It was like a ghost town. I walked by, it was like, I swear I saw like a tissue tumbleweed go by. I was like, <laughs> right? It was like that, like, wah, 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 as I was walking by. And it's just, man, the toilet paper, again, we thought we'd have flying cars right now. Instead, we're dealing with toilet paper apocalypse. So real food is a basis. Mark my words, don't get me wrong. But we're just looking at some other things we can add in here. Uh, one other thing, of course, like the class of medicinal mushrooms are incredibly powerful because these are well-noted immunomodulators. And immunomodulators, these are far more effective than drugs at dictating and kind of supporting the immune system because an immunomodulator means that it can press your immune system up when it needs to be pressed up and it can bring it down when it needs to be brought down because sometimes our immune system can be in hyper uh, hyperaction. Right, that's what we see with autoimmunity and also what we see with fear, right? That chronic fear that we're in, your immune system is gonna be really amped up, but because it's just constant chronic, it's gonna end up crashing. And so specifically, uh, medicinal mushrooms like reishi, there's data published in the journal Mediators of Inflammation, discovered that polysaccharides found in reishi were found to enhance the proliferation of T cells and B cells, those cells that remember, all right? They remember infections so that if you're ever faced with it again, it easily takes it out, builds the weapons to kill it off. And another thing about reishi, and this is why I love reishi, is just it, the immune benefits, but also the sleep benefits. And this study published in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior found that the renowned medicinal mushroom reishi was able to significantly decrease sleep latency, meaning you fall asleep faster, increase overall sleep time, and most importantly, improve overall sleep quality by helping you to get more deep non-REM sleep and also REM sleep. All right there in the data. All right, reishi mushroom. I get my Rishi from Four Sigmatic. I've been using it for years. I love, I love their products. 
And again, something I do on a daily basis. The Rishi is something great to have in the evening. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash model. You get 15% off there as well. So foursigmatic.com forward slash model. It's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. And you get 15% off everything they carry. The Rishi, Chaga is fantastic right now for the immune system. Chaga has been found to uh, boost NK cell activity over like 300%. Remarkable. There's also some stuff in the data I was looking at with like elderberry, specifically being able to be effective against coronavirus. There's so many different things, but that propolis is remarkable. Medicinal mushrooms, remarkable. Real food, most important. All right, now, final. This is the final one. And I hope that this is, again, bringing some solace and bringing some empowerment in this really strange time in our history. A number four, and this might be the most important thing that we need to do. We need to laugh. We need to connect. We need to come together as humanity in our communities, our families, and not just because it sounds nice, but because this is clinically proven to help our immune system. When we're stressed out, our immune system's ability to fight off infections is reduced. Our susceptibility to infection goes up. This is well documented in the data. I've got a meta-analysis of hundreds of studies here, published in the journal Psychological Bulletin, concluded that short acute stressors can trigger potentially beneficial changes to the immune system. Like I said, short-term immune system comes up. If you're short-term stressed, that's a good thing. But constant chronic stress, as the research indicates here in this study, hundreds of studies, constant chronic stress causes the immune system to be suppressed in a detrimental way. We cannot let this stuff control our minds, control our lives. As we talked about, this virus has gone viral and we're forgetting what makes us powerful. We're forgetting the thing that makes us human, and that is connection. We need each other, but we're in a situation where we're now experiencing a place where it's just love thy neighbor. Mm, I don't know. Don't hug me, though. Handshake, no. Well, maybe we can bump sneakers or actually six feet, right? Not understanding how viruses work, not understanding how our immune systems are so powerful, remarkable. There's viruses in the air at all times, bacteria, fungi. Not only we talked about the virome today, we also have our overarching, you know, the microbiome that many people know about, this bacteria cascade, but there's also the mycobiome, right? This fungus cascade that we have. We're really interesting, remarkable parts of all of this, parts of nature. We adapt, we move beyond it, all right? So we need to come together. We need to be more empowered in our communication and our connection. Be smart, but here's the thing. The reality is even very smart people, uh, very well-trained, uh, you know, educated people, let's say educated people, we can get our minds hijacked and we can jump right back into that. It's called an amygdala hijack in our brain where we're now having a center of our universe being fear, greed, worry, not enough, protect myself at all costs and forgetting about the true nature of humanity. And there's a statement that under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. You don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. Hopefully many of us have been training for situations like this, but if you haven't, it's okay. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to implement your practices of self-care and of other care, right? Caring for your loved ones, helping our communities to get healthier, all right? Because love thy neighbor is a little sketchy right now and we, we've gotta do better. But this, even when I'm saying love thy neighbor, that's a scriptural reference. And if we're talking about a scriptural reference, we have to look at the fact that 
even folks who have a strong belief in a higher power, in God, at times like this, they allow the media to take control of their mind and not have God at the forefront of their mind and of their power. And scripturally, to give another scriptural reference, and this is in the book of Timothy, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Right now, more than ever, we need to be of sound mind. And this starts with getting educated about what we're really dealing with here. And again, hopefully this is bringing some solace. And I wanna share another scriptural reference. This is from John 4.18. Love drives out fear. Love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. We're punishing ourselves right now by being inundated by this fear. And finally, one more scriptural reference. This is Proverbs 2.11. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Discretion will protect you. Wash your hands. If you're sick, stay home. Discretion, use your common sense. But understanding will guard you. Understanding what we're dealing with, not because they said, but because you truly have taken the time to understand the landscape of this thing from a broader perspective, from what God sees. Now, you might be like, well, Sean, this is not about God. This is about science. I bring the science. I do that. That's my thing. Well, please believe a lot of people that you're getting this information from about the science don't even know what's going on because pretty much nobody does. This is a new thing. It's a new thing that we're dealing with as a society. But we've dealt with many new things in the past and we have to remember how powerful we are, but we have to do our part to take care of our own health and to also take care of the health of our families and our communities more than ever. Do what you can right now to extend a hand. Maybe it's just a virtual hand. Maybe it's a DoorDash. I don't know. But if you know somebody is running low on toilet paper, send a mission, send a man out. Get something for their butt. They're going to need it. All right, true story. I had to call Jordan's mom, my, my oldest son's mother in St. Louis, because my mother-in-law, my greatest teacher, she ran out of TP, all right? My meditation teacher taught me about nutrition first, why the model health show exists. She didn't know what was going on. She went to the store, gone, Wild West. <laughs> tumbleweed, tissue tumbleweed, nothing. So I was like, hey, I, this is gonna sound weird, but can you take my mom some TP for her booty? Because it's gone. So weird. But we've got family. We make, because we're in a, she's in a different city. She's in St. Louis. But we can connect. We can reach out. We can help and support each other. We can love on each other. And it doesn't have to be that close contact right now. I get that. But please believe, we do not need to be in a place where we are afraid of each other as human beings. That's the worst thing that we can do. I was just about to have on the former U.S. Surgeon General to talk about his new book that has to do with the greatest health detriment to our society, and he's got the data, is our separateness of being apart from each other. And then this happened to exacerbate the issue. And we're walking around looking at each other like, you got the cootie, you got the killer cooties. Now be honest with me, have you been out and you look at somebody and you are worried about them having that thing, having tenderoni? Or they see you and they're worried about you having the tenderoni aka coronavirus, or you might be worried about them, worried about you having the coronavirus. And you're like, hey, it's not me, just relax, it's okay. 
when I was at the grocery store, after I shared that story, we got in the elevator because it's, you know, it's LA, weird stuff. Like you gotta get on the elevator with the cart. Ladies are across from me in the elevator, solid distance. She looked at me dead in my eyes, took her scarf, boom, covered that face right up. She went Sahara Desert right in my face. Like, okay, again, the way that we're relating to each other. Let's use more discretion as we move on. As it says, discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Use discretion. We should be washing our hands anyways. Common sense. Don't be nasty, okay? But the way that we treat each other and understanding that our connection is more important than ever. We need human connection, but we need to be smart about it. And our biggest solution, again, is helping to address the underlying problem, which is getting our world healthier. And you are a big part of that. And I appreciate you making me a part of your life to help to provide some of these tools and insights. Please, this is important. Share this out with your friends and family, the people that you care about, to help give them peace of mind, to help give them some solace, for them to have an understanding about what's going on so they can feel more empowered. All right? Again, this is a strange time in human history, but this can birth one of the most amazing things in our society, which is a cultural shift a cultural world shift with our world family towards health and wellness. I appreciate you so much for hanging out with me today. We got some epic shows coming your way. I had some shows recorded prior to this that are gonna be coming out, but I want to jump in here and get this to you ASAP. And uh, some of these episodes coming up, absolute game changers. I think you're really, really gonna love it. So make sure to stay tuned, take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.